Gratitude That's my everyday Have you ever looked up at the stars and just wondered what it all means? Asking yourself, how do we get here and where are we going? When I look out in the world, I see so many people getting lost in their stories, rarely thinking about or asking the bigger, unanswerable questions of the universe. Like, what's the purpose of life? How did we come to be? And what happens when we die? Well, this is pretty much all I think about. And so I decided to start asking others as well. Welcome to Quantum Coffee. You can think of the fixed part of us as really being the student. It's us. It's boring. It's every day. We are born with it. <laughs> it's not sexy in the slightest. All the open centers. Now that's sexy. That's different. That's where we really like to go and find novelty. And so we can develop things like skills. We can develop things like perspective. We can develop uh, routines and situations that really modify a lot of this stuff. But at the end of the day, if we have a response, it actually is our responsibility. And that was my good friend, Matt Walker. He's actually my rolfer, which I honestly don't know exactly how to explain. It's a, a type of body work um, realigning the physiological systems. Um, it's been really powerful. He does a little bit of energy work as well. Uh, he's a really intelligent dude. And every time I go into his office, I just love having these deep conversations and talking about the universe. And uh, this episode, we, we go deep. He's a fascinating guy with a very good, open perspective. And I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'm definitely going to be having Matt Walker on for multiple conversations on this podcast because I feel like we could have talked for hours. We just scratched the surface. And um, you know what is scratching the surface when you're talking about the existence of reality? Uh, I don't know, but I know this conversation is one of my favorites and I hope you all enjoy it. How you doing, dude? I'm doing pretty well, man. It's Tuesday. What can you Tuesday. say? Tuesday. Tuesday is the day of the week. Oh, I thank you. So do you. It's nice to see your face. Oh, uh, I know. Thanks for doing this, dude. Uh, you know, I'm flattered and nervous. I'm not used to being uh, interviewed. Have you ever been on a podcast before? No, this is my first time. Wow, that's exciting. That's why I love having my own podcast because then I can bring on whoever I want. Well, I appreciate you uh, extending the invitation. Yeah, it's just little on me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, you got a fascinating perspective on life. I'll tell you what. Oh well, thank you. Well, I'm. I just try to make the sense out of things, right? Like we're, we're <laughs> there's so what much. Is, what is making sense? <laughs> right. There isn't a very, I don't have a long track record with that, but I have some fairly, uh, fairly decent go-tos, I suppose. You know, things like, um, you know, they asked, uh, I feel like this is a story about uh, Albert Einstein when they asked him, what do we really know? And he thought for like a long time and people were, 
maybe wondering, did he even hear the question? And then after a while, I was like, something is moving. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all he had. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. It's like, so people think they know, but they really don't know. The more you think you know, the more full of shit you are, right? And that that is certainly one one perspective. I, I think uh, I mean, he said it in French, but uh, Voltaire uh, is credited with the quote: um, "While uncertainty is a uncomfortable position, certainty is a ridiculous one." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good, and uh, that's, I love it. That's kind of what I feel like we're up to here, you know? Absolutely, and that's what we're going to dive into. Um, so let's just get into it. Cool. First, let's talk about you, Matt Walker. All right. And who you are and what you do and a little bit about your journey. And then we'll dive into some of the unanswerable questions of the universe that we like to discuss. Right on. Uh, so, uh, Matt Walker, who am I? That's, that's something that I've probably spent most of my life trying to figure out. I think on paper, it makes more sense if you, uh, maybe, what's the saying? Sometimes a path forms behind a person. Like there was no clear trajectory to where I was. I, uh, I'm a, I spend my days as a body worker, as a rolfer, as a craniosacral therapist. And that has provided a lovely balance between something that's practical, something that's of service to individuals. I can honestly say that most people are not going to use my work for evil. And uh, it still provides a lot of Act, you know, play in some of the things I'm very interested in. Like, why are we even on this planet? I wouldn't call myself a philosopher. I think that a lot of people really do put in heavy work into making their arguments, and I don't do that. But um, mm. I have st- more of a hobby for you. More of a hobby. In fact, you could yeah. say my entire life is a bit of a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Uh, yeah, there have been some pretty important streams in that. So. You know, I studied cultural anthropology when I was in college. Um, I have uh, discovered uh, the Gurdjieff work when I was doing Japanese jujitsu. And that same uh, nexus of individuals brought me to, to human design, which is a kind of a syncretic system of astrology, the I Ching, and various other features like that. All of that has really very much enriched my life. And of course, I have a life. Um, I have a partner, my my lady Carly, our two dogs who live in South Austin. And uh, that's something that also gives me purpose and, and meaning, you know. Um, mm. At the end of the day, most of the stuff seems to conspire to the fact that we experience three dimensions as our primary mode, right? Like we don't mm. go into the fourth or fifth dimension too much. The physical world is something that we get to share a lot of our experiences with. And my career has brought me towards really trying to help people experience that with less strain and effort so that they can liberate their energies and find their purpose if they have one and go from there. You know, it seems like it's pretty important that we address the being in in, in this carnate reality. And Mm. whether that's a God thing or a not thing, like we are here. Yeah. <laughs> Something is moving. Talk, yeah. <laughs> Talk about so the third dimension. You're trying to help people live better in the third dimension. What does it even mean to go 
like third dimension reality obviously is what we're living in this physical realm. Right. What is 4D? What is 5D? How many Ds are there? What does that even mean? Man, that is so above my pay grade. That's like when people start talking about that, I don't have a direct experience of it except for maybe certain instances of uh, trance or meditation or plant medicine. Maybe there was a blending of time and space. Maybe I saw people come from, you know, through the veil as it were. Mm. But um, maybe three dimensions, I I kind of think of that as consensus-based reality. Of course, our perspective makes consensus very difficult to arrive to. But most of us, if we see a truck coming down the road, we're going to step out of the way because we value being on the planet Earth. We have certain, um, how do you say, survival mechanisms for saying, no, be here, propagate the species, who knows? But uh, there's certainly an idea out there that we could exist in multiple timelines, multiple universes, multiple dimensions. And I find that all really interesting, but very confusing. And yeah, yeah. it is very confusing because there's so many different layers to it, right? Because right. it's our linear minds thinking in this, this time. But if you think about the only thing that really exists is the present moment, then mm-hmm. everything that is ever happening is happening right now in this present moment simultaneously because there is no tomorrow. There is no yesterday. It's all a fabrication of the mind. So, and in different dimensional realities, like, and then you got the objective experience. If there is any subjective experience, the lens of perception, which you view reality from your past experiences, which aren't real because all that's real is the present moment. It's all very confusing. Yeah, right. You're, you're, when we think about the past, I, I think that there has been some evidence or some suggestions. I, I really, really wish I was more in connection with re, you know, research and consciousness, but I feel like um, I've heard that we recreate our memories, which is mm. would make, make sense if we're in the present moment. We can't be there at the same time, not in 3D. And mm. that one thing I do understand about the dim, dimensionality is that some dimensionalities have greater freedom than others. So mm. in the three dimensions, we can, we can grab like my headphones here and tie it into a knot. Mm. But in other dimensions, that would have too much, there'd be too much freedom. We would never cause, we'd never be able to tie the knot. And I think it's very similarly in how we perceive time as linearly. There seems to be, I wouldn't say a reason, but a phenomenon of like when we're in the third dimension, we do experience time as as a as a linear with a beginning middle and an end and that seems to be very important for all sorts of processes Um, yeah let's talk about the stories like of the past like our mind creates these stories about what happened right so if me and you experienced something together 10 years ago Mm -hmm. our story about that event is going to be from our own lens of perception in the moment now thinking back on that moment and it'll be completely different right and once you realize that it kind of gives you the power to recreate those stories, right? Like in the present moment, that's where like a lot of this, this talk about like healing quote unquote trauma or past stories or past events. Cause you have the power in this present moment to recreate the story of who you want to be. Right. And, you know, become who you want to be. And it's, I mean, this is self-development path and this growth path and this spiritual path is to try and become a better version of yourself. And when you realize that you can create a story in the now about who you want to become. I mean, that's the idea of this whole idea of manifestation and creating and envisioning 
and visualizing the future that you want in the present moment as well, right? It's like recreating these stories. And when you take responsibility for the story that you are creating, I mean, really anything is possible, right? Absolutely. And, and at the same time, there's also, you know, maybe a, a little bit of tension in that. So some would say there's um, something called the fruitional view, kind of commonly described in Buddhist practices, right? It's this idea that uh, everything that's happening in the present moment is perfect as it is. But we don't experience that perfection um, from our, I mean, our subjective, our egos, we're like, this is not perfect. I'm not living like this. <laughs> and so, you know, if we, if we didn't have those issues, we wouldn't have um, something to work towards maybe, or we wouldn't have friction and we wouldn't have a need for uh, modalities like talk therapy, somatic experiencing, um, what I do, rolfing, um, or anything to try to make our, our moments better. So there's a, there's a lot of, there's some tensions there that are difficult, maybe even impossible to resolve. You know? <laughs> yeah. That, that gets me into, into the, into the first question. I like to ask all my guests to kind of keep a little arc through my, all my podcasts, three sure. questions which is what is the purpose of life? What's your definition of God? And what happens when you die? And that leads us into the first question of like, what is the purpose of all of that? Like, why is there this, this linear path, 3D reality that we are experiencing? Is, it, is the point to become a better version of ourselves? Is the point to just have an experience? Mm-hmm. Is it just to have had, had an opportunity to have, have been? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what is the purpose of life? And what is your purpose as well? Well, well, well golly, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I can answer any if of you that. Know. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I have heard. So, uh, as you, I'm sure you, 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 we have a relationship. You know me by now. Uh, I have studied so much in the realm of you know, um, both philosophy and and religion, and I'm not an expert on even on so much that I've studied. I've heard crazy things. I've heard about this being, um, you know, it's the, the craziest ones are right. This is a simulation and we're just mm. in the matrix. Yeah. And then there's... I'm other... starting to lean closer to that the more I like look into all of this. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. Um, yeah, that, that, one's a, that one mess keeps me up at night sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, maybe there's the lizard people hanging out in the grays. But then there's also this idea that uh, Earth is a school. And we, um, it's one of the only schools in all of the world. And if you look into astrophysics, it's true that there's not a lot of planets in the world like ours. You know, we have to have that perfect distance from a sun or earth has got to be of a type of rockiness. It's got to, the water there has got to be, the temperature has got to be such that the water flows. And then Mm. you've got to have non-life giving into life. Like that's, Mm. Okay, so maybe there's not that many schools here called Planet Earth, and uh, mm. people are said to come down here and have lessons, have experiences, and consistently we have our memories cleared when we arrive. I guess is the idea, and I think that very few lineages of uh, methods or wisdoms or secret schools have a continuation process um, these days, but. The Tibetan lineages, they have their lamas, they have their reincarnates, they track this stuff. That's what they allege. And uh, I am not, a, obviously I'm not a genius. I can't hold all these ideas simultaneously. But I, I think that sometimes it's more important to not rush to an answer. What, what I come to consistently is there's no, no freaking way to know outside of personal experience. And personal experience is oftentimes 
um, suspicious. So one of the one of the things that you can hang on your hat on is you you can't really know, and in that not knowing, you have to make certain decisions. I think, and that gets me into um, one of my favorite philosophers is Gurdjieff, and one of his favorite one of his students was this guy named John G. Bennett, and J.G. Bennett really maintains that we don't know our purpose in life. And it's really foolish to think that um, anything other than living our own lives and exploring that option is ever going to get us there. Uh, I kind of lean towards that, you know, there's, we are having experiences here. Something of us is, and uh, all of those, how we take those experiences seems to be where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, it can't just happen in our mind. And uh, I think I'm talking in circles, but the finding of purpose is, I think, each time we meet experience, were we really there? That might be how I, how I navigate that. Was I really there for that experience? Or was I mechanical? Was I sleepwalking? Was I... Yeah, does that make sense? So it comes back to presence, really. Like, am I present through the experience? I mean, because there's this idea too that, you know, like determinism, which I've explored is like, do we even have free will? Is our body and our life already kind of predetermined and we're living it out and we are just the awareness plugged into the body that's having the experience of with this illusion that we're making the decisions, but the decisions are already coming through something that not, is not us and we're just the awareness, Right. which comes back to your point, like, can I be present? through the experience, which if you couple that with, you know, the Buddhist teachings of non-attachment, just Mm -hmm. being aware and being in the moment as it is, because as it is, is perfect. Even if it's like, you know, the, the, the root of suffering is wanting to things to be different than they are. Right. And so just going through life as the backseat awareness of the experience and bringing awareness into everything you do and bringing presence into everything you do, um, yeah, there's, I definitely connect with that. It definitely makes the experience a lot more enjoyable when you can like detach and kind of see it as this, you know, holographic game, kind of like we talked about earlier. Right. Yeah, it could be more enjoyable. It could also uh, be much more uncomfortable because it, mm. it, there'll be times when we really want to flee. I th- mm. Traffic is the perfect example. You know, you're in traffic and someone's cutting you off and they're, they're in their own universe, their own world. They feel totally justified in doing it. You feel totally justified on laying on the horn. You know, mm. it all happens so fast and you're not paying attention to the people behind you or around. You don't have a sense of your own weight, your body, your skin or breath. You're, you're gone, man. You've, you, are, you are that honking horn. <laughs> you're yeah. so identified with it. And so, um, yeah, so there's, that's another little thing that we can bread breadcrumb our way back to is the body has experiences. The body is in the present moment. If um, there is any Joe Hawley at all or any Matt Walker at all, they have to be assigned to that physical body. And in that moment, we get to uh, maybe be present for that or not. And and I would say maybe when it comes to free will or against determinism or anything, maybe we are able to do something different in that moment, which is a 
you know, I've, there are a lot of deterministic ideas. There's cultural determinism. There's biological determinism. There's this idea that the, the mind will always produce an illusion. So what is that ego determinism, perhaps? You might describe that. But at any moment, if we want to interact, um, insert something different, we're leaning on, uh, we're taking a, a lot of those outside influences and introducing um, a hazard, a question of, uh, did I, was I there or not? <laughs> and then the, the outside influences can be anything. Did you sleep well? Did you eat well? Did you, you know, leave work five minutes or, uh, early? And did that put you in the path of someone else who was having a bad day or having a good day? You know, the, the world's chaotic out there. But if we yeah. can come back to our physical body, you know, we may just have a chance to not just react. Yeah. yeah. What, 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 what makes the difference between somebody that does have like a road rage incident or consistently is angry when they're driving? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell a lot by a person sitting with them in a car in traffic, like how much really presence and self-work they do. Yeah. But what makes that, that difference? Is it like, cause, cause who is the person having that experience? Is it these past experiences that trigger that person into feeling the road rage like, how come I can sit in a car and not really get upset by traffic just knowing that this, it is what it is, and then someone else who's just completely lost their mind because of it? <laughs> I love it. Well, traffic is a hard one for me, man. I've worked on myself <laughs> a lot. And um, I won't say that I've, I, I road rage, but... Um, and this would, this would be a, like... It's a, a sensitive subject for you, huh? Well, it's something I'm working on, right? Like, mm. so we don't have, um, you know, in the absence of of having you know, severe things to deal with that just absolutely demand our attention. We find ourselves in these moments of leisure where we um, could completely fall asleep. Traffic's boring. No one wants to pay attention to it. And that's a good place to work on these higher ideas. Like, was I really generous to a person? Did I really put someone first? Did I, was I present for something? Did I see something coming? Did I become, um, and this is the word I would use to, to answer your question, over-identified with the situation? You know, can I let it go? And, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times, if our ego is driving the car, literally driving the car, then it's very difficult to let go of those things and very difficult to come back. And we all have resources for dealing with this. So in human design, um, which is that syncretic system of nine-centered beings for seven-centered chakras and whatnot, there are different... Uh, people have different reliable sources uh, for themselves that are different from other people. Every person is very individualized. So explain human design a little bit in like layman terms from the okay. listeners is sure. I mean, like I like to think of it like astrology kind of on steroids, right? It's just a lot more detailed. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. I think that, um, you would say astrology on steroids that talks about what chakras in you are, uh, really fixed and available, which ones are open and how that determines the choices you can make the mm. people that you want to be around, the where you want to live in, in life, and what you can expect and of yourself. These are determined by where you were born, the time you were born, just like astrology, kind of like it's like your right. energy that was born into this physical 3D reality. Yeah, I think of it as like a, a, a your first impression, right? Like the first cut mm. is the deepest, and uh, that's that's a big one. And it's a little different than Western astrology insofar that they. Uh, what you get in human design is actually two charts coming together from two different periods of time. And one chart represents your personality and the other chart represents your uh, physical body. 
And those two come together to create this illusion of the Maya, where we experience experience. The hologram. The hologram. Keep coming back to it. Yeah. Telling you, yeah. Telling you. To that simulation, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, let's say somebody who has a defined root center. That's somebody that has consistent access to uh, dealing with adrenalized pressure. These people are cool as a cucumber under pressure. Someone cuts them off in traffic. It's like, cool, man, you go and do your own thing. But if, mm. if somebody is having an adrenalized moment, is driving real erratically, and they go by someone or harass someone that doesn't have a defined root center, that might make that person um, take that energy reflect it, amplify it, and maybe they take a little bit of that with each other. And, and this is something that you'll see on the highway a lot is that you'll see people's different behaviors start to affect one another in, in subtle ways. You see people mm. slow down to be kind of passive aggressive or speed up to let other people through. You'll see people who are watching out for their, their you know, people that are not driving well, and you'll see people completely checked out. So yeah. And so, what would you say to people like, doesn't that sort of absolve people of responsibility if they're just like, oh, that's just the way my human design is, or that's just the way I was born. I mean, is there any, like, can you change and use it as a tool to grow? Or is that you're kind of with that kind of framework? Are you stuck with that as who you are? Like, are you always going to be responsive in that sort of way? That is a fantastic question. And I think that it really depends on what is fixed and what is not fixed. But it can, I think that we are here to have experiences. So you can think of the fixed part of us as really being the student. It's us. It's boring. It's every day. We were born with it. <laughs> it's yeah. not sexy in the slightest. All the open centers. Now that's sexy. That's different. That's where we really like to go and um, find novelty. And so we can develop things like skills. We can develop things like... Um, perspective. We can develop uh, routines and situations that really modify a lot of this stuff. But at the end of the day, if we have a response, it actually is our responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm. there might be a person sitting there yelling at me. And I will tell you right now that my voice will shake. My uh, cheeks will get fuzzy. I'll turn red in the face. I'll want to run away, you know? But I have the ability somewhat to make a decision of what needs to be done in that, in that scenario. And all mm. of that is dependent on what needs to happen, but it also has a lot of training front-loaded into it. Holding your space mm. in the face of that stuff is a skill. And um, I think there's all manner of those. So for human design, they say some people are really meant to work and some people really are meant to guide and some people are really meant to initiate so I think that those tend to be like the big um, neon lights, things that you're not supposed to really go against, right? Mm. So if you have... Yeah, I definitely connect with that. I mean, I, ever since I got my, my chart read in the human design, I've, I've, I mean, it's really a, a great tool to yeah. understand who you are and how you respond to the world. I think one of my big things I've learned is that I'm, I'm like receptive mm-hmm. to... The world. I don't. I'm not an initiator. I'm kind of sit back and see how the world comes to me. And I've really, ever since getting my chart read over a year ago, it's like I have that awareness, and it's very fascinating how that energy dynamic really works with relating to this 3D reality. 
Well, and, and you know, whether I, so you and I, we obviously resonate with it and, and some people may or may not choose to do what they, what they call the experiment. And mm-hmm. I find that it just took off so much of that massive cultural pressure to yeah. go and be something that you're not. Yeah, um, totally. Go, go pull yourself up. I mean, I had this, I had this whole story when I was, uh, when I was a kid that I like, I, I, I didn't like, I wasn't the person that would reach out to people to see what's going on mm-hmm. and like go out and hang out and be a part of these social circles. And I always felt kind of like this, this like hermit, like why, what's wrong with me? Why can't I go out and just be outgoing? Right. And now I've realized that that's just not my energy centers. Like, and I'm, I'm very outgoing, very friendly. I can communicate with people and hold conversation, but I'm not the kind of person that's going to go out into the world and create those relationships myself. I let them come to me and like, it does take so much pressure off. It's just like, just who I yeah. am. And, beautiful. It, and it's, yeah, it's just, and I couldn't have said it better myself. Beautiful. It is to, to be who uh, we are. This, I think this is a Jungian quote, man, I'm bad with being able to credit people, but being who you are is the opportunity of a lifetime. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think about I that sometimes. It. I feel like so much of the time we're, we're really just excavating ourselves and getting rid of a lot of the, the BS that we've accumulated, be it karmic or family of origin or whatever your, your handle for that is. Um, I mean, there's so much that we carry, right? We carry these lineage trauma from our family descendants. We carry these spiritual, I don't know if you want to call it past lives or whatever the energy is that we bring on. Uh, social, cultural, like even just our childhood stuff that created the stories of who we are in this moment. Right. There's so much. Yeah. And how do we just uh, excavate that to even be in the present moment, to even be able to have this conversation is uh, a real gift and like, what a luxury, you know? I know it. <laughs> Let's dive into the second question, which is around this idea of God or source, or universe, or creator, mm-hmm. or whatever you'd like to call it, that is the source of this creation. Um, where does your belief around that come from? How was it started? And what's your journey and uh, and belief around sure. higher power? Yeah, I, I, I would say that... Um this is definitely, I'll just go off and cut to the chase. I don't know. <laughs> At this point, um, I, I grew up in Dallas and that Dallas and Richardson is very culturally Christian. So, mm. you, know, you know, a lot of the first questions we'd ask was, you'd hear is what church do you go to? Um, I don't conceive of God as like a old man with a beard and a cane. I, I, I don't. I think that my favorite philosophies um, and such as the, and, and not just philosophies. I don't know what you'd call them. Schools of thought, adherents, um, people who promote certain practices. They tend to have some theism in them. Like I think the Sufis have a wonderful perception of God. Uh, I think that you can also look at people like the um, Yoruba-speaking people of Africa and Cuba that brought their Santeria to Cuba. You know, they had these Orishas, which were like um, gods of this and that, but they were all intermediaries of a larger God, kind of like the saints in, 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 in Catholicism. And so one of the, thing, the reasons I like that idea is that there's this, we can't know God. It's just our human brain certainly can't know God. And 
yet there may be opportunities to interact with divine material through um, ascended masters, beings, and that type of thing. I, I've never dug super deep into that. And uh, I think that, I don't know what that points to, some aspect of my personality perhaps. You know, currently I'm playing with this idea that there is no God. And I think that's a pretty ridiculous idea <laughs> given how complex everything is. But, you know, again, I can't know God, so maybe I can't know not God. And so, so what does what playing with that idea mean? Like you're just questioning kind of yeah, the whole experience? Again, holding the question and not looking for an answer. Like if, there's, uh, if there is no God, that means that I only have this one life. That means to be a good person or to, to provide. But what's for the point family. of even being a good person if there's one life, one experience? Why wouldn't you just do whatever you want, whatever feels good, right? Well, and I agree with you there. Why not? But uh, I don't know about you, but if you, have you ever had a long weekend where uh, you could... What sort of long weekend? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've had plenty of long weekends. Have you ever had a long weekend where you were up to no good? Where you were just watching, oh, yeah. you're watching too many Netflix or drinking way too much or anything? And you were, all the things, absolutely. All the things. And you were doing whatever you quote unquote wanted to do. Yeah. But there was no inherent responsibility. There was no... And sometimes we need a break from our responsibilities. I'm not saying it's all work and yeah. no play, but all play and no work is just a, just leads to a, a rough situation in general. Uh, mm. Again, there's a, a quote I think I heard that <laughs> I think that this comes from a weightlifter who said something like, um, "Strong time, strong men. Rough times produce strong men. Strong men produce easy times. Easy times produce soft men." Soft men produce rough times. And so the cycle continues. So the cycle continues. And mm. so if, if there is no life after, no redo, no learning lessons for the next lifetime, which we won't, we won't remember what happened anyways, right? So it's, it's kind of like, unless we become llamas, which I don't think that's allowed. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not allowed to do that. No, I don't. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I'm not sure how any of this works, man. Right. You're blowing my mind. But, but if there was no, no, you know, if this was it, then man, find the people that you love and tell them you love them. You know, yeah. and go go out into the world and um, you know, adult, be the man or woman that you are here to do. Be a good example for. Uh, the youth coming up so, so that they can value this planet and this experience and uh, respect ourselves. I mean, these, there's, there does seem to be a trajectory when it comes to maturation and a trajectory for adulting. It doesn't look mm. the same for everyone, but it seems that everyone needs to go through a maturation process. If, um, yeah, if there's nobody handing out report cards at the end of life, if there's no... Uh, or, order being kept in this uh, in the universe, then it, it does kind of fall to us. But humans yeah. are such strange entities that we could be. Aware. Yeah, like what would you say to the like, like if somebody said, "What's that like whisper inside your soul? If you have a soul, mm -hmm. whatever that is, that is guiding you right to become something." Like there's like back to the purpose question. Like I feel. Like this, what if you're feeling called to do something with your life? Like, where does that come from? 
And where's that resistance created, right? Like if you're not following your purpose and then you just create suffering because you're not on the path that your so-called solar energy is on, like where does that all play into no God or is that just a story that we create to make sense of this oh, reality anyway? These are great questions. I mean, if I were an actual atheist, Instead of just like putting on atheist pants, <laughs> I would I would say that. How do those pants fit right now? Oh, they're a little they're a little constricting, <laughs> a little chafing. Because yeah. I'm right there with you, man. I I think that so many of these positions are really just impossible to defend because we just don't know. Um, if I were a, pr- a true atheist, I would probably make some argument about well, we're all dreaming this up anyway, or that you know the things that call us to be more might be the birthright of what it means to be a human being. And it doesn't require a divine source. But I think that life is much more interesting, not knowing I'm not an atheist, but I'm also not thinking that the divine made us like, I'm not, a, I don't have a kind of a Judeo Christian concept or Islamic concept of God. I, if I have anything, it's that there's this, there may be a divine source. If there's a divine fo- source, we are all just drops in the ocean. And the divinity is asking to have an experience through our individuation process. And mm. that, that may be true whether we're good people, bad people, um, responsible, irresponsible. You know, there are, I've talked a little bit about Gurdjieff. There was this idea that at one point um, a massive object hit the earth and split off two fragments that would later become our our moons, one of which disappeared somewhere or is invisible. And again, he speaks very allegorically, so this is not literal. Uh, I don't believe it's literal. But um, yeah, there's this idea that you know, with these new planetary bodies circulating the earth, that there needed to be um, life force energy to stabilize the atmospheres. And the people that needed to give that up were the the people already living on earth. And um, the the idea was that their own life essences, their death and rebirth, their death and birthing processes uh, is what produced the energies to stabilize those, those moons. So there's some interesting ideas that life energies somehow serve divine energies in that particular story. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I'm taking this, but it seems that life itself is different from the non-material, but is not quite completely the material. And if there is no divine, then maybe something is missing from that trio. Um, Maybe there's no explanation for the non-material, but uh, life is different from the divine, and so is so is matter. And mm. um, <laughs> so the atheist pants, I guess they're going to have to leave them on the rack because they don't fit yeah. very well. <laughs> I mean, it's all just so incomprehensible to our, like we said, like our linear thinking minds. Of, I mean, if if the universe is infinite and then there's, we talk about different dimensional realities and there's infinite dimensional realities and it's, there's infinite experiences. I mean, it's just really hard for us humans to even comprehend what that is. And that's why, I mean, all these religions, especially Christianity, I grew up in a Christian household that tried to create 
this God that's a man in the sky that is right. in our image that is, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It's such a narrow point of view, narrow-minded point of view to think that there's just not so much more out there than just a man that's here to shame us and about <laughs> just this singular experience that we're having on this earth over the last 2,000 years. Like, I mean, it's just, there's just so much more that we can't even make sense of. I mean, we can't even make sense of what it's like to wear another person's shoes and look through their eyes. Mm. I mean, it's, it is nearly, uh, there are those that develop empathy and sympathy. We can barely hold. And um, I, I think that if people are honest and look deeper and deeper and deeper to what's behind their lives, they'll find it, it's difficult to make sense of a lot of it. And mm. to be able to then, um, I think that's probably part, in part the appeal of religion um, and in part the appeal behind the, you know, asking these questions, right? It's like, why are we all here? What's the purpose of this, right? That's even in the three questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the idea, yeah, the, certainly the anthropomorphic God is, is hard to really um, to wrap the brain around. I guess it is kind of jarring and de- destabilizing, I guess, if you do have like because these these belief systems do create purpose and structure yes. and kind of a framework to have an experience and if you do question it i mean that's the one thing that like psychedelics really kind of blows your ego apart and you start realizing like oh it's just a story that i created of who i am right. <clears throat> and for most people that's really hard to even comprehend or, or face or deal with because it is so destabilizing and it is hard to think about these questions. Cause then you start, I mean, you do go down to dark holes times of like some of this stuff does keep you up at night. Like, what is the point? Why am I here? Yeah. And well, I love, how, me, I love how you use the word destabilizing, you know, it's, it's so, and what is being destabilized oftentimes it's, it's our personality, it's our ego, right? I think that's mm. one of the reasons why certainty is so seductive. Because mm. if I can if I can grab right here, then I'm going to be solid for life. <laughs> 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 and, uh, <laughs> yeah, at least I know who I am, right? But right. <laughs> like, who is who is like who is the ego? Who is I? Like, what? Like, people throw around this term, the ego, all the time. And I know, growing up, the ego was like you know, this egotistical attitude towards life, which is like someone who's like arrogant and full of themselves and think they know it all. But like, what is the actual ego construct? Like, how do you define that? So I I tend to think of it in terms of personality um, for right or wrong. And I tend to think of it as, um, yeah, that personality is being a necessary aspect. It's kind of like a body for your social self. Um, it's not going anywhere. It's your personality is relatively fixed and it wants to exist. Like, uh, it wants to say I'm real. And I think it identifies with the body and I think it identifies with, um, the things that you do, but it's, it's neither really of those things. It's almost like a, a strategy or a collection of strategies, uh, senses of humor and, um, you know, getting in where I fit in into a family of origin. Um, and, you know, that's a really good question, though. Again, uh, 
The honest answer is I don't know. And, yeah. uh, but I know that I have one and I know that, um, I don't know, is it my personality that likes coffee and, and, uh, really intellectually interesting, um, discussions and, uh, all that. Yeah, I guess so. We do things to please our personality and our personality will get us in trouble when we, uh, grasp to your point earlier on attachment. So, um, but it's not necessarily a terrible thing. We kind of, we kind of need one. Um, so it's a good question. I is it created like is is the ego created in this lifetime? Is it something or like because I feel like there's these two parts of us, right? Because if we're talking about the ego as the personality, then if the ego gets blasted off, like in a psychedelic experience, let's say, right, and you're still your essence of you're still aware, right? You're still the awareness. So talk about like the separation. Is the ego something that's created in this lifetime? Is it something that is? Right. You know, the lessons that we need to learn and overcome, is it, you know, the essence of who we are? Well, I really, you know, I've only, I've only played with uh, plant medicine twice in my life. And to your point, it, it is absolutely certain that something besides my normal personality is there. But my, my personality is still watching some of that stuff um, because the responses that I have had aren't, completely foreign to me. They're not psychotic. You know what I mean? They don't, they're not a break from my, my personality. Um, but I'm uncomfortable with this idea that there is only one of me living in here, which is a weird thing to say out loud, but there's, it's kind of like more, I have a ship of fools and they take turns trying to, um, pilot that ship. Some of them are about toddler age. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go where I want to stay home. I want to cuddle, you know, some of them are like eight year old age. Uh, some of them are 12 and so on. So different ages, some of them are traumatized. Some of them are archetypical. Uh, we each have in us, um, a part of us that wants to live an ordered life. You know, So I try to give that guy rain, you know, relative reins of the ship. But if that guy is trying to control every other aspect of myself that needs to breathe, well, then I need to introduce another one of myself to, to, to take control for a little bit or introduce freedoms so that one aspect of my personality doesn't take over completely. Mm. We have these conflicting desires, though, and I don't know that a single, e you know, maybe the ego is the collection of those eyes. I don't know. Yeah, I've I've gotten into the the different archetypes as well, like living within us, and we all have them. And it's fascinating when you start doing a little more research and looking into that, and how much of an idea. Like it really does make a lot of sense, and it's fascinating to to like look at or hear stories about people with like multiple personality disorder, yeah. and then doing this kind of work and realizing that we we all have that, like. <laughs> We all bring these different, like something might happen where a piece of us is triggered from, let's say, like an eight-year-old story of who we are and something happened when we were eight and that, that piece of us gets triggered. We almost become completely different people. I mean, it's like we were talking about earlier when you're, you have road right. rage in the car. It's like, that's not who you were five minutes ago. It's this right. new expression of who you are coming out. And we all act like we all have this like one person of who we are and we show we have this one physical body, but the, the energy that comes through, like 
I, I even notice now, like the more work I'm doing on myself and trying to bring awareness into like my habits and my unconscious patternings, that certain things, I, I do have a different personality. Like when I'm playful and I have, a, I have just joyous like kid come out of me uh-huh. and then sometimes I'm really serious and it's fascinating to have an awareness of like, whoa, like who actually am I? Who's <laughs> <laughs> running the show? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's one of the great mysteries. Uh, and, you know, to your point about personality, your personality can shift dramatically with things like a traumatic brain injury. You know, mm. there can be physical drivers to personality shifts. You can lose conscientiousness um, and just not give a, a flying crap about other people uh, when prior to that you were a quote unquote man of the community. So certain certain aspects of that personality are very in a very boring way, probably coming from a material basis in, in, in the brain. But uh, others of them, who knows where they come from? You know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's continues to be something that we want to be a little suspicious when we use the word I. Who is I? Who are I? That's the real question. Oh my God. And how do I know when I are I? Yeah. This is. <sighs> who is the I that is I that's having the experience of I mm-hmm. shifts? So speaking of eyes and not even knowing who we are, uh, <laughs> let's talk about death and what you think happens when, I mean, I guess when this physical body dies, I don't know mm-hmm. what happens to all the eyes within it or the personality. You know, you talked earlier about the brain having some of the personality and the physiological actual brain, but is mm-hmm. there this essence or soul that moves on or we just going into darkness? What do you kind of believe around that whole idea? Well, again, uh, claiming completely ignorance over what happens. Uh, I, you know, part of me kind of likes the idea that we would just go into the earth and that would, we would rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, and maybe we would even be able to um, let the different molecules that make up, you know, Joe Hawley and Mount Walker uh, after death, go into a lovely oak tree or something. I, I don't know. It's part of me would really like that. And, um, you know, there's just too much strange stuff that I've personally experienced that other people have reported to me of their own nature, of just stories that have persisted through the times that that's probably not, that may not be what actually happens. You know, I, I got really, really sick once. I had um, about two weeks straight triple-digit fever every day. And there was a lot of physical consequence to that, muscle wasting. And, um, you know, I, 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 I had poor vision. I slept during the day. I tossed and turned that night. And again, triple-digit fever. It's not super fun and didn't have any appetite. And Carly really just basically fed me. But during that time... Um, you know, I was visited by people that were no longer on this planet, dead people, right? Like my grandma and my jujitsu teacher's teacher. And I, I saw them and they were in the room with me and the veil was thin. And I, I hadn't really thought I was going to die until that point. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. You know, I was like, oh, maybe this is it. And, you know, my grandma was like, this is not it. And then my jujitsu teacher's teacher was like, go to the hospital, dude. 
<laughs> just go to the hospital, <laughs> you know? And I, I, that, that was an interesting experience. And, um, you know, so the, how do you make sense of that? Like in, in the moment now, like, what do you, what's the story you create around that? Is that your psyche projecting? Is that their actual I'm essence of souls coming back to you? I've definitely convinced myself of things that have not been there. Right. Like I've, yeah. I've definitely told myself stories. I've misinterpreted things that people had said and got activated over and all that type of thing. And in this instance, yeah, man, I had, uh, you know, triple digit fever and I very well could have been a fever illness. And if the brain is a transmitter and maybe I was just tuning to that particular frequency, it's, it's really impossible for us to know. I have heard that some people, the Tibetans believe that our emotional body survives 40 days. I say Tibetans like they're just one culture or one monolith, but as I understand, Tibetan Buddhism has this esoteric idea that our emotional body survives death after 40 days. And actually the Gurdjieff work has that idea as well. And they suggest that um, during that time, the Tibetans suggest that during that time, you want to pray that that soul can meet teachers and guide them through the four, the, the bardos, uh, which is like this limbo period, very scary, lots of demons from what I understand, and um, guide you into the next incarnation and hopefully into a lineage where you can continue to learn what you need to learn. Um, I don't know what the end game is in the Tibetan Buddhist philosophy, but the, there is that idea that there is this window of opportunity to do something with uh, the recently deceased. And the Gurdjieff idea is that through our time here on earth, uh, as as carnate individuals, we engage in um, conscious labors and intentional sufferings, which is not to say that, I mean, we all do our suffering and some of it is on purpose. Like I suffer, like we suffer to go to get our jobs done, you know, and we suffer because there's like an economy there. Or we, we suffer things that we have no control over, like the weather. That's just whatever. But conscious labors and intentional sufferings means that you engage in something that you don't want to do, but it needs to be done. And you're the one doing it. And by, by somehow doing something that neither the personality nor the body wants to really is that enthusiastic about doing, and by being present, to yourself, having all centers available, emotional, intellectual, and physical, as you do that. And somehow there's a liberation of energy that will feed what's called um, the body cache. And, and I've, I, I'm inferring that to mean the emotional body. And that if we do that enough, we have a really solid emotional body. And that that emotional body is actually just a scaffolding for the next body, which is the soul body. So in the Gurdjieff work, there is no permanent soul that just just happens to be there. It's more like you have to deserve it. So um, there is this kind of dangerous idea that when we die, we have about 40 days to make it through the bardo and maybe get reincarnated and maybe maybe not. You know? I think that all those possibilities are really possible. Um, sure. And... Uh, to, to, to be redundant in my word choice. <laughs> but uh, uh, so I think that from, from my life, where do we go when we die? Um, what is our 
purpose here? And is there a God? Um, those are all deep question marks that we have to become okay with not resolve. Mm. You know, and we can ask ourselves, was my life more purposeful today than it was yesterday? Do I feel more in touch with my authentic self today than yesterday? Um, do I need to let go of the search for an authentic self? You know, what am I, what good did I do today? How did I use this 24 hours seven? How did I use what is in all probability a great, great gift of life? How did I, how did I make good on that gift today? Mm. Uh, those are, <clears throat> those questions maybe direct us towards action a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I just have to wonder like, if it is set up this way, why? Like, how did it, you know, maybe it's not a great question, but, you know, isn't it interesting that we're somehow not meant to know the answers to if there's a God? It's kind of like you have this father-mother character that's like, you know, I'm just going to leave this child behind so that they know that their life is theirs and not mine. You know, maybe it's something like that. You know, maybe, yeah, they, yeah we we have these... <clears throat> options of belief. And I do think that they shape our, our world significantly. Yeah. Maybe the whole purpose of existing is to have the opportunity to live the question. Yeah. And, and what a funny God. <laughs> I know. If there, if there was a God and he's like, I think I'm going to create atheists. <laughs> So I could just not believe in myself. <laughs> See what that's like. <laughs> I mean, with infinite possibilities of expression that the divine is experiencing, then there's got to be, I mean, that you talked about earlier with like, you know, the good and the bad and like why, if, you know, a lot of people ask if there's a God, why is there evil in the world? It's right. like the people that are labeling it evil are, are humans. Like, it, it, all it is is experience, right? And that's kind of like a morbid way of looking at it from a linear human perspective. But as a God, our creator of the existence, like why yeah. would he not or it not want to have every single experience, even if we label it as suffering in our you know, personal experience? Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of those really, really tricky things about, you know, silly comes. I think maybe the term is spiritual relativity is that you can almost say that you know, we all signed up to have negative experiences or perpetuate, perpetu perpetuate, no, perpetrate, excuse me, perpetrate heinous deeds to one another. Um, I mean, it's, it's in the world. So it's a, it's a good question. You know, mm -hmm. the one that I, I have a, that's one of those that does kind of keep a person up at night. You know, what is good and evil? And it, yeah. are those the only forces in, in play? Um, but anyways, more questions, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time, Matt. I really had a, an amazing time. I definitely would love to bring you on again because I feel like we could talk for hours. Oh, yeah, um, but man. I'm going to leave you with one last question. All right. Which is, you know, let's say your life on this earth and this, in this 3d reality comes to an end, what would you want your last words to be your last message, um, to the world before you go? I, I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that I, I probably wouldn't be talking straight to the world, but hopefully to the people that I love the most. And, uh, and then I realized it didn't matter. 
And my last word would probably be thank you. Mm. God, I love that, man. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't uh, think I have anything to uh, like add to what's happening, but thank you for letting me play. You know? mm. <laughs> Fuck, that's so powerful. Thank you for letting <laughs> me play. Uh, well, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. Um, Joe Holly, it's I been great. I, I, lo- I love getting to connect and yeah, anytime uh, with or without recording. <laughs> it's always fun All to right. talk. Have a good day. Gratitude for the sunrise. Gratitude for the sunshine. Gratitude for the moonlight. Every day feels like a new life. Especially when I meditate. Take a breath and then I elevate. Everything deserves gratitude. That's my everyday attitude. Gratitude. That's my everyday attitude.